So I'm sitting across the table from Bob Yaberg, and he says to me, Johnny, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. I couldn't help but reflect when I was a freshman in college that my mom came and picked me up in Charleston and took me home uh, for Thanksgiving break while I was in college. And she told me, she said, John, I have some bad news for you. Uh, our pastor, I won't use his name, our pastor has resigned. It seems that over a period of time, uh, our pastor started going to adult movie theaters. And so on one such occasion, on a Thursday, somebody from another church saw him outside and stopped him and said, if you don't tell your leaders of your church, I'm going to go tell them. And so our pastor went to the deacons, that was who was in charge at our church, we had deacons, went to the deacons and told them that he was resigning. He also told the story that he had gone to counseling for his marriage and that a counselor had given him advice that this would help his marriage. And so most, a lot of Thursdays, he would leave the office in the afternoon go to an adult theater, over the next 10 years after that pastor was, uh, they resigned, by the way, he passed away about a year later on the streets of Pittsburgh of a massive heart attack. My home church had eight pastors in 10 years. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. So today, I want us to fix our attention and keep... Now, I know some of you are like, oh no, Leviticus. What's this going to be about? Can, can we just stop real quick at Exodus 32 on the way, if you don't mind? Humor me a little bit here. If you have your Bible, just on your way to Leviticus, just stop there at Exodus 32. And I touched on this story last week. The people of God have been delivered twice. God has brought them out. He saved them out of Egypt. They walk. When their backs are against the walls, God delivers them. They walk across on dry land. They go up and... Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments. They are receiving their word from Almighty God. And it says, while Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together and they said, um, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So join me in verse 4. 
And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. Exodus 29 says that God had told them, told Aaron and given them their garments and everything, and that he had given them instructions on what was the proper way to worship him. And he began that. But here the people, they say to Aaron and they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. There they are looking at a cow. And they're saying, oh, look, Israel, these are the gods that brought you up out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Here's what they had in mind. This would be a picture of an ancient Egypt image of God, one of their gods. Hathor, H-A-T-H-U-R, Hathor. Fertility, nourishment. They couldn't help themselves because so much of Egypt was inside of them. And God was trying to establish his people and deliver them. Egypt is all over them, and God is establishing them. Here's the thing. Change doesn't come easy. Change does not come easy. People aren't happy about changing. None of us like to change. When I gave my life to Christ as a sophomore in high school, some things had to change. Some stuff had to change. I could not be in a relationship with God and keep acting and talking and doing everything I'd always done because I was the center of the universe before I came to Christ as a sophomore. Some things had to change. Well, I will tell you this, without trying to be, I, I don't want to be, I just want to describe to you something. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But as I played football and basketball as a sophomore, there was nobody on my basketball team that was very excited about me changing. There was really not anybody on my football team that I played football with that was very excited about me being a Jesus freak or a Bible banger. They wanted me to be John, that they knew. But change is hard. All of us have a family of origin. We all have our own personal struggles. We all have the way we're all wired. We have the culture that we live in. And this is the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and they have this culture all over them. And this is what they know. 400 years is a long time. This is all they know. And so here they are at the mountain in God's face, 
God is showing up and right there in his face, they are worshiping other gods. Right in his face. They broke the law before he got down the hill with it. Here's the lesson from that. You will never, ever come to God because you mastered the Bible and became righteous on your own. Never. You won't. None of us will. We know from Romans 3.23, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But you will never come to God because you have mastered the Bible. Or you became righteous in your own practice. Won't. They broke it before they even got it. God is trying to teach them what it's like, and God has set them free, but they still have this Egyptian culture all over them. This is what it's like living in America. There are a lot of idols vying for your attention that would keep you away from spending time with God or becoming the people of God. There's a lot of things that are vying for our time, our talent, I need more money, and our treasure. Hey folks, church isn't the only place they take up an offering. I don't know if you know that or not. We're surrounded by lots of people taking up an offering. They say, you gotta have this in order to be, to look beautiful. You gotta have that, you gotta have a new car. Hey, get rich quick. What is it, FanDuel? FanDuel's got a lot of things I can't find. Oh, there it is. I should, it's right in front of my face. Holy cow, how could I have missed it? Gamble, get rich quick. This is what it's like living in America with all the idols. How is it that you can become the people of God living in this all the time, all the time? How do you do it? Well, that's what God is trying to do with the children of Israel. And that brings us to Leviticus. Here's what has to be established First and foremost, first and foremost, God is holy. That means he is perfect. And there is no lack or there is no imperfection in God. God is completely whole and perfect and right and true. And for us, we're sitting here today and we can't even in our fallenness consider how otherness that is than what we can even consider. But that is where it starts because in that holy, what, did, what was the first thing out of God's mouth when Moses came up to him? That's far enough. Take off your shoes because the ground where you are standing is holy. 
because I'm nearby. God is holy. And so, so since God is holy, what are we to do with our sin? Because right there at the mountain, here they are building cows and calling them God. What do you do? What do the people of of God do if they sin? So we know that the Torah is one continuous reading. We have divided it, and we have the third book, Leviticus, and the, the Pentateuch, the book of five is what that means, the Torah. And, and, and we're, for this purpose, we're doing this sermon today from the book of Leviticus. And the first five books of Leviticus is the five offerings for not only their relationship with God, but relationship with one another as well. Chapter one, the burnt offering. Chapter two, the second one is meal offering. The third is peace offering. The fourth is a sin offering. And the fifth is atonement and forgiveness through the trespass offering. We all know that. What's fascinating is what he says in, and, and all of these are similar, but not the same, all right? But I'm gonna, I had to pick one, okay? So we're gonna go to Leviticus 4, verse 1, and we wanna read this. And chapter 4, verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying this, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, if anyone sins unintentionally, if there's sin, omission, commission, in other words, I I made a mistake by not doing something for God, and I did something in the face of God that was wrong. In any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done or does any of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He shall bring the bull. What do you do with the bull? You bring it into the entrance of the tent of meetings before the Lord, into the Lord's presence. Bring the bull into the Lord's presence, lay his hand on the head of the bull, and kill the bull before the Lord. Bring the bull into my presence and slaughter that bull right there. Slay the bull. I want us as the people of God to be a place where you can bring your bull to church and you can slaughter it. You know, I think uh, when you think about church, you think about two things. I think there's kind of, you know, there's a lot of things you think about when you think about church, but when you think about Church in America, a lot of people say, you know, I went down to that church and all they talk about is sin down there. I couldn't stand going down there. All they talk about is sin. Ain't it awful? Ain't it awful? That's all you hear down there. I feel, I tell you what, I go down there and I come back and I just think, holy cow, no wonder people drink. 
Then the other side of that is this. I went to that church. It's always up with people. They never talk about sin. They never even touch sin. People will find any old excuse to not go to church. That's sort of the way people think of it. They, oh, those people over there, they don't even talk about sin. I've had personal experience with this, in my, even in my own family. I, I forgive you an example. Example, if somebody preaches, for example, I've had this in my home church. There was quite a split and a fallout over this. The pastor spoke against divorce. Well, that was stepping in it, by the way. And by the, by the way, one of the things I've learned about divorce, nobody likes divorce. Okay, if you've been to the divorce, you hate it too. But, but you speak about divorce. Yeah, give it to them, pastor. Then the other side of that is never saying anything about it. Like, and it's like, there's all these, this cultural pressure. So many people are like, Oh, they talk about sin down there. And then the other side of it is like never, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. We're all making our way. We're all just making our way up the hill somehow. But God is establishing his people. And I want us to be a church where you can bring your bull. Because here's the deal. Everybody's got a bull. Everybody's got some bulls. Everybody does. That's the you know, that's the stuff we don't want to talk about. Shh. Now, I do think that there is such a thing as discretion. I don't believe in widening the circle over issues in your life and all that. But I do think, and here's the thing, when we come together, we're coming together and we say we're all in unison trying to worship God. We're trying to lift him up. We're trying to be, we want to be a presence-driven church. And you know what he says? He says, bring your bull into my presence and slaughter it right there. But how many of us think, okay, time for me to pretend. I'm going to church. Shh, don't tell anybody the way we really are. And he's trying to establish his people. Here's the thing. Here's what God was teaching them. That bull's got to go. That sin... That's got to go. You can't approach a holy God with sin in your life. That's got to go. That bull has got to go. You can't keep hanging on to that sin. You got to learn as the people of God. That's why I'm so thankful. I, I know so many people's story here, and you know my story. I, I, I am undone. I am, I am, uh, and, and I see other folks who have a story and I, I, see, I see them. I really, I literally, there are some people that just, when I see it, when I see them here and I know their story that came out of addiction or that came out of just a lot of fallenness in their family and everything. It's as if when they come to worship, it's like they're actually dragging a bull with them. Like I had to come here this morning because I got this bull and I got this bull that I got to keep killing, man. I, I got this thing in my life and when I come to church, this is what I'm doing. I'm coming because I got this bull I got to get rid of. 
It's got to go. And so he says, slaughter the bull, take the blood, put it on the altar for the forgiveness of sin, for atonement as well in chapter five, put it on the altar for the forgiveness of sin. That's how you will remain in a righteous relationship with me. Even though you build golden calves, even though you have idols in your life, there is forgiveness and atonement for sin. And so he says, apply the blood. Look at verse eight. After applying the blood, blood, he says, and all the fat of the bull of the sin offering shall remove from it the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys, just as they were taken in the ox of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering, but the skin of the bull and all its flesh with its head, its legs, its entrails, and all dung, all the rest of the bull, he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place, to the ash heap, and shall burn it up on a fire of wood. And on the ash heap, it shall be burned up. And you're sitting there and your eyes are glazing over and you're like, okay, this is what I was talking about. We're in Leviticus, what is he, what with all the details? So you take all of these parts that he said, take them outside of the camp and burn them up. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11. We read these words. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin they are burned outside the camp, okay? We all got that, you know, we're referring back to the Old Testament system. Listen, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. The beauty of today is the good news that Jesus died outside of the gates, outside of the camp. He made God's grace available for everybody. If it would have happened within the gates, if we were not Jewish, we would have to somehow get in. But because Jesus' sacrifice was outside the gates, we are invited in. And that's the good news this morning, that because of the old rugged cross, God counts faith in Jesus as righteousness. God counts faith in Jesus as righteousness for the forgiveness of sin. And so when we come together on Sunday morning, we trust the cross, the old rugged cross. And I put it there in your outline, the gospel, the gospel that God 
is the one who created us. He created us and that our sins separate us from God. We know that. The S is the sins cannot be removed by good works. So the P is really good news, okay? Paying the price for our sins, Jesus died and rose again. The E is everyone who trusted him alone has eternal life. And life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. So the gospel is the news right here, even in this little acrostic, is the good news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins, rose again, and eternally is triumphant over all of his enemies so that there is now no condemnation, only everlasting joy. And it's because of the cross, because he paid the price. Do you remember what God expressed about himself? Do you remember when he, he described himself? He said he was merciful and gracious, but he also said that I will punish the guilty to the second, third, and fourth generation because sin is serious. But through the cross, the penalty and the judgment was crucified. And so that's why we make a big deal out of Jesus. Jesus, in Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sin. We can stay right. Not only do we get right, not only do we deliver out, but we also have that constant. Guys, we never, uh uh, listen, we never get so sophisticated or so full of ourselves that we don't depend on the cross. We preach Christ crucified because we need it. I'm not gonna graduate to something better. It's not like you learn something better and like you lean and trust on something better. We trust in work of the cross because Jesus paid it all. So what are you gonna do with your sin? What am I gonna do with my sin? Here's the thing, it's gotta go, man. That bull's gotta go. It's got to go. 1 Peter 1.18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. I mean, if I sin, I gotta go get another bull. Oh, I sinned this week, I gotta go get another bull. Feudal, man, feudal. I gotta be like Gary Hoffman, I sin so much. I better have a bunch of cows. I better have a bunch of livestock somewhere. That's a feudal system, man. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without a blemish or spot. He has 
he has foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. I want you today to know that there was a price that was paid because God is holy. Can we take a moment right now? I wanna ask the team to come on back up right now. And I want us to take a moment, staying right where you are. How about you this morning? I want you to spend some time in confession for you, maybe. Maybe it is that you need to trust Christ. What's holding you back from having that close relationship as a child of God? Whatever that is, confess that and move on. The good news of the gospel is Jesus paid it all, all right? I want you to do some business with God. If you would like to pray with somebody this morning, I wanna invite you over to this side. There'll be some folks right here. You guys over here today? Go ahead and stand up. Let them know you're here, all right? If you wanna pray with someone this morning and do some business with God, maybe by yourself, come over here or right where you're sitting. I want this to be a time where the people of God, where we come in, we confess it. We're gonna take communion in just a moment, but I thought it would be right for us to spend a little time with God. Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would lead and that you would show yourself. Lord, I pray that we would adjust ourselves to you in Jesus' name.